Hey everyone and welcome to Already Cancelled. I am Peter, that is Tara, and we are going to talk about the classic Twilight Zone. This is season one, episode 18. It's called The Last Flight. So full spoilers for the episode, as always. As the vehicles spin up outside. To oh, give you us, can hear it. Give us an audible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, doesn't quite sound like a plane, admittedly, but I mean, in the right, in the right setting, maybe it would. Um, okay, so did you remember this one at all when you were watching it? No. No? Bizar- bizarrely, neither did I, really, even though it's, it actually felt quite memorable as I was watching it. I just don't remember. <laughs> yeah, I actually... I mean, I guess I can jump right into it. I like this one. <laughs> I, I like this one also. It was a nice, nice episode after last week's, you know, oh, yeah. s- semi-stinker. Uh, this episode, The Last Flight, is about a pilot in 1917, World War One, a British pilot who goes through a mysterious cloud and ends up in a different time. Now, if this sounds a little bit like the final <laughs> countdown, <laughs> you'd be forgiven for thinking so. Um, so yeah, he, he ends up in uh, essentially present day at the time of the show, um, although they still say it's 1959. This aired in 1960, but obviously they probably shot it in 1959, so they were still, or at least wrote, or it, wrote it. Yeah. yeah, And didn't think ahead and go, oh, we should you know, assume this is airing in three months or whatever. Um, so he ends up in present day at an American Air Force base in France. And basically, doesn't realize right away that he's in a different time. He, he thinks things are a bit weird. He's like, "Wow, these Americans are a lot more advanced than I thought they were," kind of thing. Uh, but through being uh, not interrogated, but through just talking to the the, the commanding officer, uh, the, the the general, um, and one of the majors, they kind of come to this realization that he thinks he's from 1917. They obviously find that hard to believe, but he's you know he's dressed in this uniform. You know, he, he goes through all the motions. And then it turns out that someone he knew, his kind of flying partner uh, from World War One, uh, is is actually now uh, I can't remember the rank, but he's like you know he's just a senior high up officer who's coming to do an inspection of the base. Yeah, I guess it's a general. I right? guess yeah, maybe major general, or vice general, like a, or something like that. Like a air command general, yeah, something like that. Yeah, super high high ranking, you know, old older version of him. Uh, and then that kind of freaks out our main character, this uh, Decker. And I'll, I'll leave it there for now, uh, but we'll get to kind of where it goes. Uh, but that's the, that's the general gist of it. Um, and, and yeah, I, I liked it quite a bit. I think um, I didn't I didn't know that the ad break came quite early in this episode because I because I, you know it came up saying the Twilight Zone for the ad break and I thought, man, halfway through already that feels quite quick. And I checked mm-hmm. the time, uh, not not right away. I, I was watching, you know, I kept going and I was watching the the scene in the, the sort of the the holding cell that he was being kept in. And I'm like, I wonder how much time I've got left, just because sometimes I like to check. And I still had like almost half the episode left, and it had been a few minutes since the ad break, and I was like, oh, that's why the first half felt so quick, <laughs> because it wasn't half, it was whatever. For, I didn't for, even notice. For whatever reason, I guess they wanted the cliffhanger for the ad break to be that moment, uh, you know, that it was. And because of that, they just had to have it earlier in the episode. So I guess it happens sometimes, but... Um, okay. Yeah, I thought they were kind of on a fixed schedule for tv shows back then yeah uh so he, he lands and he's looking around and he sees like a, a jet at one point and he's like oh and this kind of made me laugh from a present day context for us because i'm like yeah this feels <laughs> kind of you know like t- now we would be doing like you know the final countdown went into the past and it was like oh man we're super advanced compared to these old old planes we would do that yeah. now for the 50s and 60s right we, we would go oh look at how much better our planes and stuff are compared to the, the 60s um, right. 
So it, both of them were like a forty-year jump too, in time. You're right. Yeah, not exactly the same, but and in the ballpark for sure. Yeah, pretty close. So, yeah, I liked. Um, I really liked the first. I mean, I liked the second half as well, and where it goes at the end. But the first half, which I think we'll focus on, just because it kind of neatly breaks in, because the first half is purely about the realization of what this is and it's i think it's obvious to us right away because you hey, we're watching a sci-fi show um we just immediately get this pilot has traveled through a time to, to 1959 and he's talking to yeah. the because the, the moment i really liked is when they ask him you know who he is and what he's what he's a part of and he says he's a part of the royal flying corps and the guy's like you mean the the, the royal air force and he's like no royal flying corps and i'm like Royal, I guess that was the thing before before the Royal Air Force. Yeah, it's a good little history lesson. Yeah, I appreciate um, that. I, I liked I like the first half a lot too, especially because it's uh, he has to try to convince the um, I, I don't know what rank he is, but the the guy that outranks him, who's sitting at the desk, general, um, that he's from another time period, and it's like, how do you convince somebody? Like, especially when you're from the past. You know, that would be more difficult than, I think, convincing someone that you're from the future. Oh, yeah, because if because you... Went... you have things from, relics from the past that you can bring. Yeah, because if we went back in time, I think the, the easiest way to prove to someone you're from the future is to whip out a smartphone and be like, hey, look at this. You yeah. know, go to, go to Google, and then it goes to Google, and you're like, look at Google, and like, what's Google? It's like, <laughs> it's, it's an internet. Although it wouldn't work, obviously, because there'd be no internet connection. But you know what I mean? Like, like, you would just whip out the smartphone and do something. You'd be like, look at this, this is... Yes. Um, a video playing. This is music Look playing. Look at my from a magic phone. block. Yes, yeah. <laughs> um, they'd, they'd be mesmerized with it. Um, <laughs> you know, like I, 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 I always, uh, whenever I watch something from the nineties, um, there's an episode of the hit television show Buffer the Vampire Slayer, um, where Will gets all excited because Ted, uh, who's Buffy's mom's new boyfriend for an episode, played by John Ritter, who's a fantastic, uh, you know, character actor. Um, or he was rather he did pass away a, a while ago but um yeah he he's like a computer salesman or something like that you know that's his job and he gives willow an upgrade for a computer and i can't remember what the figure was but they were talking about like upgrading their ram and it was like however many megabits of ram and i just remember giggling whenever i watch that episode now i'm <laughs> giggling to myself because like, <laughs> my toaster's got more ram than that <laughs> <laughs> and Willow's so excited and he's, he calls it like a rocket ship because uh, it's so powerful and I'm yeah, like god yeah. damn it like, it's, it's the old story that like the phone you have now has more computing power in it than the entire uh, like Apollo space that room full of uh, hard drives yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I love it I love it. I love that photo of um, uh, I think it's like a, a hundred no it's a 64 megabit hard drive from like the 60s and it's mm-hmm. this giant, it's like a fridge coming off a plane. Yeah. It, it costs like, like over $100,000 or something. Or maybe it's not 100, but it's like thousands, tens of thousands at least of dollars. And now you've got an SD card that fits in your finger, like the, the, the tip of your finger, and it holds gigabits and gigabits. And it's just kind of. And like, yet they were still able to send people to the moon. I know. Imagine what we could do and now. Not now. <laughs> <laughs> we, should, we should be able to wait further on the space, space side of things. By Why now. am I not on the moon right now? On my moon house. <laughs> we, we should be podcasting from the moon. We should be in zero G doing this. But no. Technology has let us down. Technology, Molly, the 
Not what the governments of the world have let us down with their priorities. <laughs> Bastards. <laughs> yeah. I, although I think it's a it's it's less cool in this case because it's looking at there's there's no real technology in the episode that he's amazed by other than like military airplanes. Oh sure, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Um absolutely. I will say this. I think I think it wouldn't be that hard to convince Trump that it'd be cool to go to the moon and then he would put all these all the resources of the country into doing it. He'd like, hey Trump, mm-hmm. wouldn't you think the moon would be cool? Because he's like a nine year old. You just like, hey, don't. Yeah. Like, I think, I think he's uh, he said something about either going to the moon or going to Mars. He definitely wants like a like a space force. So, can he stay there? <laughs> <laughs> can, can we ship him off to Mars? He'd blend in with Mars. Yes, he would. <laughs> All right, right. Back, to, back to the episode. <laughs> I wanted to make a Trump joke, okay? When you get back to the episode. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, I think I really like the way it paced out the scene, though, in terms of revealing the information. And, like, I like that um, Decker from, from 1917 kind of, like, you know, because he's like, wait, what's the date? And they're like, you know, whatever, March. And he's like, no, what year? And they're like, 1959. And he's like... I'm from 1917, and obviously they they kind of just like listen to him and ask him some questions for a bit. And it, I I was almost going to complain that they weren't like being you know disbelieving enough, but then they then they brought that on quite hard later in the scene where they start really mm-hmm. like no, you expect us to believe this is some kind of hoax. This is we we can't go along with this. This is silly. This is nonsense. Um, yeah. but he I, I like the performances because Decker looks genuinely amazed when he looks at the window and sees the the jet. He's like. Yeah. Whoa, what is it? you know he's 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 mesmerized by it um and the other officer that's with him is skeptical but i think he, he kind of wants to believe him the whole time because he can't quite believe why somebody would play this kind of practical joke on yeah him. he's not ready to believe that what he's saying is the truth but he believes that at the very least decker believes what he's saying or that it's more than just a joke. It can't just be a prank. There's more to it than that. Yeah. And he says kind of as much uh, in a later scene with the the general. I think it's yeah. I think it's pretty well written. It was this one that was also Richard Richard Matheson that wrote it, because I think we had a couple of it his. Is. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's done a couple of really good ones um, that we've reviewed already, though I can't remember which ones. But I think I remember Serling saying that that Matheson was coming back for this episode. Mm. Mm. no um i like the writing a lot and i think because the, the episode because i was actually quite impressed with the budget to an extent because all, all the stuff with the plane landing at the start i was like oh this is actually kind of flashy for a show from this era is actually having yeah. shots of the plane landing and you know all, all that stuff and they've got the truck and all that um and the rest of the episode does take is mainly just two characters or three characters in a room talking to each other which a lot of twilight zone mm-hmm. becomes and that's okay the, the great thing about science fiction is it, it, it can be built up in just ideas it doesn't necessarily have to be flashy and have explosions and laser beams and you know all sorts um a mm-hmm. lesson that something like the the wandering earth could maybe <laughs> learn <laughs> which don't get me wrong i do want to see some flashy stuff too i do but it, it needs the substance as well to yes exactly to make it work uh whereas something like this is, is less flashy but it has more substance and it, it the substance is what makes it feel feel entertaining to watch and kind because of, one of my favorite moments after the ad break is is you know uh the 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 major 
Yeah, the major. Yeah, the major. Mm-hmm. Uh, he comes into the the, the, the room where they're keeping him after after he talks to the the general who uh, you know this doesn't really believe it, but they're looking at his his ID, they're looking at his uh, papers and things like that, and they're like, "This is really impressive." Because the other big thing in the first half, of course, is that he says that his flying partner was uh, this 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 guy. And they're like, wait a minute, he's coming here to inspect us soon. How did you know that? And he's like, I didn't. And he's like, because he, the big cliffhanger is like, like he can't be alive because he's dead. Like that's the that's the moment, and that's kind of the big dramatic point we go out on in the ad break, which is a really good little cliffhanger actually, um, because it gets you going. Okay, how how exactly does that work out then? What, you know, where's this going? Mm-hmm. And we have this scene with when he comes to see him in the room, and I love the moment where he's describing why this guy's still alive you know the, the the major's like yeah he's still alive you know he's hell he's a war hero he he was a war hero in the blitz and decker looks at him he's like oh that was the other war we told we told you about and i'm like oh so so there was some information that exchanged you, you talked about world war Two after you know at, yeah uh, in the ad break. Got filled in a little bit yeah that's good to know um and like you know he saved a bunch of lives he got a medal for it yada 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 and I really like that moment, and I, I like thematically where this episode goes, because like a lot of episodes of Twilight Zone, I kind of saw where it was going long before it finally revealed, or had the character realize himself what he wanted to do, mm-hmm. and I was like, I think I get this episode, because as soon as he starts talking about he's a coward and he always ran, and you know he wouldn't actually patrol the skies like he was supposed to, he would just go and hide in the cloud <laughs> until he's, you know, it's yeah. like, oh, enough time has passed, I can say I patrolled, easy, um, and he would go back to, to base or whatever, as soon as he said that i'm like this is an episode about him realizing he has to go back and save him because he because because this other guy goes on to save so many lives and is so important to the to the effort and and multiple wars that he has to not be a coward and save him even if it kills him right and that's what the episode's about and he has immense shame for being a coward yeah when uh and i couldn't help but think of um a movie that I brought up many, many times, <laughs> but Passive Glory, oh, yeah. which is all about the cowardice of World War One. It's such a huge theme of that war and the soldiers who fought because, I mean, it was just so much of going over the, the trench and dying. And it was just about whether or not you were a coward and how they treated cowardice people. So I think... I don't know. I just I I couldn't help yeah. but like link it to that too when they brought up cowardice and when he was fighting World War One. Oh, of course. And, and, and for the record, mm-hmm. I like for and this is easy to say in hindsight and from a modern day perspective, but I, I I will happily argue with anyone in charge from World War One that that is not cowardice. It's called intelligence. Yes, of course. <laughs> it's it's called knowing that you're just going to be mowed down and it's not going to accomplish anything. So what's the point? Let's not do that. Right. <laughs> Right. Uh, as is the problem with World War One and the trench warfare. Um, yeah, it was just about how many people you had you can throw into a meat grinder. Yeah, uh, yeah. World War One's a nastier war for sure. I mean, obviously, I mean we've brought this up in a few different shows, reviewing a few different things. But the idea that World War Two has the villains of the Nazis who seem worse in terms of, you know, Hitler's plan and what he was doing was worse, but the actual fighting in world war one was much grislier and like consistently bad and mm-hmm. you know not not that no one died in world war, obviously people die in world war two that shouldn't have died but yeah but world war one seems like a lot of just needless death <laughs> yeah um so because no ground was ever made it seemed yeah yeah it was essentially just a, a series of stalemates for for four years mm-hmm. um you know you know, humanity can be stupid. Is is basically the thing. Um, 
Yeah. But no, I I like this 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 idea, and I mean, sure, the episode never really brings up this idea that. Uh, I mean, obviously, what he's doing is like wrong. He's he's got up to do a job, and he's avoiding doing it. <laughs> he's just kind of hiding. Like obviously, that that is different to to the trench warfare in a lot of ways, but. Mm-hmm the episode never really sort of brings up the idea that you know maybe he's just not built for this maybe he shouldn't be doing this it's more just about him making the choice and and basically seeing the evidence that he needs to see to know that like why he should do what he does that what his actions matter that he's not meaningless um yeah and that leads to his choice and you know he has this bit of a breakout where he he punches the major and then he punches you know the the guard at the door and he he runs to the, the plane and takes off and well, he punches another guy. He does three punches, and all three are knockouts, including one that he punches in the gut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's an old TV trope, that for sure. <laughs> it's yeah. a powerful fist in the uh, in 1917. Hell, it still happens in, uh, these days on on like CW shows. Someone will just get like thrown back against the wall, and it won't even hit their head, but they'll still be knocked out. But the impact will just knock them out, and I'm like. <laughs> Come on. At least hit them in the head. Which is still a right. trope. The idea that anyone who gets punched in the head in TV gets knocked out immediately. Right. It's still Nobody a trope. Nobody ever dies. Yeah. No one ever <laughs> dies. No one ever has like lasting effects because of a concussion. Or mm-hmm. like that. It's just... No, it's a safe knockout. They'll get back up in 10 minutes and be fine. <laughs> I have to let my cat in. That's okay. That's okay. I, I do that all the time. As, as you know, people at home. Um... It's now, now Tara is in the same boat, and that's kind of funny. Look at all those exciting boxes in the background. Uh, I wonder what's in them. I think the one on the left is probably a foot massager. That's my guess. <laughs> How many do you think my feet are? <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Uh, to, to, it's my life-size replica of Tom Cruise. And my, to my credit, though, my left is the other box on the on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> i was looking at the squarey one not the rectangle no i i i, I like where the episode ends and I, obviously I, I like that the, the the old you know major or general comes in and he's very he's always very pleasant he's very nice to them happy to meet them and immediately the major who was kind of believing him and, and did let him go you know because he had him at gunpoint in the plane and the guy's like shoot me then like i don't care like like i need to do this yeah. you know Clearly, um, he's over being a coward. Exactly, that's the moment that tells you that first and foremost. Really, yeah. that he that he's not just doing this and saying that he's actually willing to to go through with it. And you know, so so the major brings him up and he's like, "Did you know this guy?" And he's like, "Yeah, of course." Um, you know, he, I should know him. He saved my life. Um, and he starts like asking more questions. Like, "Oh yeah, no, he disappeared, and I thought he'd ran, but then seconds later, he he came barreling out the cloud and you know took out three of them and you know died saving my life. You know, yeah, and." Then, of course, uh, they show him his, his effects, you know, because he never got his effects back. And, of course, immediately I went, oh, because you took them from him. He never had them right. on him. Right, yeah, they're at his desk. Yeah, what's the cat doing? Because you keep looking over He's the trying side. to get out again. <laughs> <laughs> Sabotage. Sounds like Garrus. That does sound like Garrus. Um, so. Give me a guess. But I really, I really like the, these moments because they, they show him the, his effects and he's kind of like, so he's like, how did you get these? What's going on? And then the major calls him lead bomb, which was a callback to a story that Decker told him about him getting hit by, uh, by a German plane. And it was like a private mm-hmm. joke that he never, like, like, he never did it in front of anyone else because it was something that would embarrass him. So he was like, out of respect, right. he, he only did it in private. And mm-hmm. it's like enough right. to let him know that, wait, how could you know that? Um, so that they might yeah. believe what he's a, you know, presumably about to tell him. 
that he was here and that you know he 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 escaped and went back um i I guess if i was to critique the episode in some way is that I'm, i have no idea why decker is so confident that he can find the cloud again and magically fly through it and go back to the future or the past <laughs> yeah i guess he he just has a, a lot of confidence that it has to be there that he has to be the one who mm. saves him because it couldn't be somebody else there's no one else around and there's no way he would have gotten out of it on his own so it has to it has to be there like he just had to go into the future to know that this was his destiny yeah um it's, it's a really simple tale in a lot of ways but i, I think the the the, the ex- expertise of this episode is just mm-hmm. really well written dialogue that plays it out in a yeah. fairly natural manner where you're not like going bullshit like every two seconds at how the characters react to things you kind of you buy that okay it's a slow slow, slow realization he doesn't get out of the truck and go oh my god what's mm-hmm. what's going on here you know the, the other characters think that he's in a fair or something or he's in a show with a costume or, you know he says mm-hmm. are you making a film kind of thing it builds up doesn't and know what that is it, <laughs> <laughs> he's like a film um but, uh, to be fair they did have silent movies at this time at least sure uh, you know 1917 there, there was train comes at screen <laughs> oh yeah my favorite <laughs> I love I lo- cause you, you, I mean I don't know how true it is but there's the famous story that everyone freaked out because they thought the train was going to hit them when that was shown yeah. in theaters it's like I, it's really there I would love to like go back in time and then show <laughs> them like 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 a, a disaster movie instead <laughs> like just swap out the real so the first thing they ever see swap it out with independence day yeah is like buildings <laughs> just being toppled and like just just watch them react to it or hell not you show them like a horror movie like go back in time and like say here this film's called halloween enjoy yeah you guys want to get scared <laughs> <laughs> they would not be prepared yes. for that sorry my cat's being such a jerk I love how for <laughs> once it's Tara's one cat and not one of my three cats that's causing trouble. <laughs> I mean, it's because I now have a place where I have a roommate, so I have to keep the door closed while I do this embarrassing thing. And <laughs> because of that, now the cat is not used to closed doors. This embarrassing so thing. I, I assumed <laughs> it was so that there wasn't noise coming from other rooms, but no, no, it's because you're embarrassed. I can't admit what I do here <laughs> you're to em- anyone I know. <laughs> I'm going to try and find someone you know via social media and send them a nice little link. I'm not on social media. You're not, but people you know maybe. You don't know the people I know. I know your sister's name. Shit. <laughs> and I know your last name, so I know her last name. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Look at what Tara's doing. She's on the internet. Betrayal. <laughs> I would do that. This this could this can remain us and you know the entire audience audience's dirty little secret. <laughs> no one tell anybody I know that I do this. <laughs> uh, that actually reminds me of a great joke. Ricky Gervais had a stand up like a decade or something like that ago, uh, where he he said like he told a story like a sort of kind of embarrassing story about a celebrity, and then said at the end, right, okay, and everyone here, don't, don't tell anyone, right? Shh. And I was like, you know, there's like ten thousand people in the crowd. <laughs> but keep that between us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This cat is sabotaging the show. Something awful. He only wants to go out because the door's closed. Fucking cats. <laughs> they're lucky they're so cute. 
right he's given up for now oh dear Ed, <laughs> is there anything else you'd like to talk about in this episode um i thought the episode was great i think you went over all the bullet points that we went through but um, about why it's great <laughs> the cat's trying to reach for the doorknob now <laughs> oh dear i mean um, he's a smart kitty at least yeah it, it's really well written i love the dialogue uh the acting's good i even like that they got um you know they got really cool sets for it and like props for it i, I don't know if that's a genuine world war one plane but it looked like it, it was, looked really cool um yeah great episode a uh, weird follow-up to the last one which was terrible a lot of these early episodes i think are they kind of remind me of like old science fiction short stories mm-hmm. and they, they feel a lot like that, like old future stuff. And I think this one is works as a really tight short story as well. I do. I, I really like about an episode like this as well, apart from just the good, good act performances from the actors and just the, the, the general kind of like discovery of what's going on and the realization of what the story is really about um, is that, I love, and I was kind of getting to this, kind of getting to this point earlier when I was talking about like, you know, if this was today and it would be, this would be the fifties and sixties, it would be the the time in the past, and they'd they'd be mm-hmm. doing that our technology. Um, as I love get that perspective of like people in the fifties and sixties thinking we're so advanced now, let's like show how advanced we are to someone from the past, and you know, show off yeah. our fancy things, and we watch that now, and it's like. <laughs> <laughs> you're right well that's the beauty of uh of science fiction from this time is that it's all old future stuff yeah no i like that too um, in fact just 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 because me, me and connor uh, obviously we record these episodes a little bit in advance gus kitty shut up <laughs> we, Excuse me. we record these episodes a little bit in advance and because of that um you know oh. Like this, this, this will date when we recorded this. But just today, um, I, I, I was reviewing an episode of Dark, the time travel German show on Netflix, and there was a character, uh, from from the past. I won't get too specific for spoilers' sake. Who is in present day and is in a library and asks, "Hey, where where can I like find like the old newspapers and stuff?" And the guy turns to her and says, "Oh, it's all been digitized," and just goes back to what he's doing. And the look in her face of like the hell and she she doesn't she doesn't want to give herself away so she says and where can i find that <laughs> not knowing what that means and then there's a whole scene with her interacting with like a tablet like not being confused and it, it's just it's really good it's, it's really and that's not why the show is good the show is good because it's playing with like timelines and connections in so many ways i, I highly recommend dark if you're if you're into like uh uh sci-fi shows that are really in, intricate and interwoven and um and so on but uh so but yeah basically today was a time travel day for me because i because i watched the episode of dark and reviewed it with connor uh we we are doing this episode of twilight zone and then the episode of uh, the ace that we're recording right after this is primer which will already be up by the time this episode goes up so it's been a time travel heavy day um and this one this my brain epi- is scrambled eggs right now well that's the thing <laughs> this episode is easily the the easiest of the three for me and i mean you, yeah. you, you didn't watch dark but it's definitely easier than primer this is the most simplistic one and that doesn't make it bad it makes it fine it makes it, it's just the you know every time we compare this to the new twilight zone from 2019 every single time it's like no they keep this actually quite simple they just explore the idea and have characters like yeah sort of go through the thought process and that's what makes it so good at what it is mm-hmm. Um. Excellent. There we go. <laughs> Did we get 
brought Sterling at the end of it? We did. Telling us what's coming up? We did. Uh, uh, I want to say it was the Purple Testament. Oh, I was right. I just clicked on the next one. It's the Purple Testament indeed. Uh, I don't remember him showing up. <laughs> no, he showed up and he mentioned it was another, again, what is it? I mean, it's not a time travel thing, but we'll get another army thing. This is this World War Two this time, though. Um, okay. So, again, this classic thing this season of like doing two kind of similar things. or Those connections between two yeah. episodes that are back-to-back. It's weird. It happens so often. Yeah, so here's the description on IMDb. Uh, a U.S. Army lieutenant serving in the Philippines during World War II uh, develops a harrowing ability to see the, f- uh, the, f- the faces of the men in his platoon who will be next ones to die. So it's not quite time travel, but there's definitely an element of you know seeing the future. Kinda. Mm. So yeah, it sounds dark. Sounds a little bit dark. Uh, I don't remember this one for the life of me. Uh, so we'll see. Neither do I. We'll see how it pans out next week. Which actually reminds me, something I brought up with Tara before we started recording, but I'll I'll mention it in the show as well, just uh, mm-hmm. for, for curiosity's sake. People in the comments can tell us. Uh, so in this episode, uh, uh, Decker says the word lef- lieutenant a couple of times. So I'm asking the audience here: Is lieutenant a different thing from lieutenant, or is it just an old way of saying lieutenant? I'm just because I've heard it before. Is it a British thing? It might just be a British rank. I don't know if this. I don't think British people still say it though. It may still be an old thing. Maybe, I I only know it from this episode of Twilight Zone and from Master and Commander. There's lieutenants. It may be an old that's British thing. I know this. That sounds anywhere. I know that sounds anywhere. So as Tara is dealing with the cat, I will thank everyone for for coming along and enjoying this very haphazard episode of uh, our Twilight Zone reviews. Um, do remember that if you like audio feeds for podcasts, uh, we do have a feed for this now. It's not up to date. Uh, I'm, we're doing a two or three episodes a week on that feed t- till it catches up with the videos, but uh, it's called Fuzz in the Zone. Uh, you can like and subscribe. There's the culprit there. Gus K. Oh, he's a little menace. Um, he is a much more dead stare than Firefly does. <laughs> he's got this like yeah he's got a real derpy face yeah uh but yeah you can like and subscribe and you can support us doing that you can also support us uh, by rating us on your podcast app five stars or of course financially over at patreon tara why don't you explain patreon to them yeah patreon is a good way to support the channel it's patreon.com slash tv you can donate as low as a dollar per month and with the dollar you get uh bonus content for other shows that we do um including the ace which we've brought up already and you get these twilight zone episodes a week early so check it out yeah uh so you could do that and check out other content we've got um it's worth mentioning that babylon 5 which is kind of on hiatus right now but it will be me and tara once she catches up she's catching up right now uh so that will be uh more peter tara sci-fi content so i mean on a regular bit not not counting new things that tara jumps on like big little lies which we're doing right now um mm-hmm. tara will be on uh twilight zone babylon 5 and the sci-fi movie podcast uh every week so uh she's she's basically my sci-fi co-host of sorts <laughs> um except for new sci-fi shows typically because connor wants to do them <laughs> but that's all right but when he hates something like the new twilight zone tara jumps on to be fair it makes more sense for you to do the new twilight zone anyway because we do this sure sure it makes sense i didn't want to like volunteer for it oh sure but i knew that connor wanted to check it out so but it makes sense for the for the the comparison's sake that it's the Mm -hmm. same pair doing both shows but 
Um, but that is us. That has been uh, Twilight Zone episode 18 of season one. Uh, so, yeah, we're halfway through the season now. That's officially half a season one done. Nice. I know, right? It's a uh, long season. <laughs> it is a long season. These are damn ass long seasons. Um, and then between the 80s and the 2000s show, we, we've got years of Twilight Zone to do. That's fine. It's fine. Buckle we'll up, here. everyone. We'll be here for a while. Uh, maybe when we finally finish all that, we can talk about something with the outer limits, but no promises. <laughs> <laughs> if we but, can find them. If, uh, sure, if we can find them. <laughs> <laughs> um, have to get them off a, you know, have to go down to the market and get them off a dodgy end of, you know, dodgy looking suspect who's selling them <laughs> out of a suitcase. You all, you all get any more of that uh, outer limits? <laughs> Unedited, please. <laughs> on edit <laughs> yes I believe there's been a Chappelle show reference even though I've never watched an episode of the Chappelle show it's a shame it's great yes that's just because that, that moment's been memed so much um for for like TV shows and stuff um very... I don't know which one you're talking about <laughs> you don't no the, the one where I think he's trying to buy cocaine or something like that and he's if you, and he's, he's got like cocaine under his nose I think and he's like y'all get any more of that but people oh. put, so but people put in like oh, t- yeah. a, a TV uh, show Tyron name Biggins. yeah um, actually I've not seen it so I, I don't know the context got that crack? <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad you're so excited about this alright that, that has been the last time I've seen it <laughs> but yeah Tyron Biggins it's great I, I love how as, as we go through this show we're getting a lot more comfortable just tangenting like mad as we talk about the episode <laughs> To the point where even this episode, which I think maybe had like 15 or 20 minutes of like actual discussion yeah. in the show. And like it, five minutes of my cat distracting me. Yeah, it's mostly the cat's fault, but we are, we're actually hitting 35 minutes right now, so. Ooh, we better close this thing up. Yeah, well, I've already done the outro stuff. I just need to say thank you once again for watching or listening. Uh, you can, you know, uh, we've done all that already. I See, it's been so long since I've done the, intro, the outro stuff that I'm, I'm, I'm autopiloting into it again. <laughs> Thank you once thanks again. Thanks for watching, everyone. Yeah. Thanks Good for night. watching and listening, everyone. We appreciate it always. Keep watching TV in the Twilight Zone. <laughs>